It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as their history with Transformers, Gundam, and the Star Wars prequels. For our brief, uh, yeah, Transformers talk. What do you got, Isaac? No, oh, no, it's Eric who's got it because he's because Eric was in, in our, uh, yeah, all monsters attack, which really wasn't all monsters attack. I gotta say that. That's no. kind of because where was Mothra and Rodan, um, or uh, Ghidorah? Knuckle. They showed everybody else, but not them. Anyway, um, <laughs> we were talking about um, Michael Bay and the Transformers films. So, Eric, you were kind of going briefly into that, if you don't mind elaborating on, because we just did a commentary of it. Uh, what did you think? What, what what did you like and or think about Michael Bay's Transformers of 2007? It is a fantastic movie. It is a legitimately good movie. Uh, and it's certainly the best of the, the Michael Bay Transformer movies. Um, I have also very nice things to say about Bumblebee. But that's kind of separate, being a non-Michael Bay. But Transformers 1, that was a huge movie at the time. It was uh, very memorable. Uh, Also because, obviously, it was going to bring the Transformers to life. And if you know me, that was my number one favorite childhood franchise. Big time. And so, you know, okay, they're going to go live action. And, you know, there have been attempts at, at live action of, of uh, kid properties from the 80s. And none of them really did that well ever before. At least none I can think of off the top of my head. And, and most have gone really poorly. So there was a little bit of trepidation going into Transformers. However, Michael Bay was still very much the man for the most part in 2007. Uh, and mostly known for making really good action movies at the time. So that seemed like a good thing. And then just seeing it in the movie theater, I just thought at the time, this is, this is just an all out, like this is as good as a summer blockbuster movie can be, um, is how I felt uh, when this movie first came out. It, it just, and that's what Michael Bay was known for at the time was just making like a, a purely good fun popcorn summer blockbuster kind of movie and this had this had it all going on i don't know it's almost a perfect movie uh uh considering its time and date and everything and when it came out and and what it was trying to do it's, it's basically perfect 
So what it sounds like to me is that you're saying that it's a gr- it's a like perfect movie, but I think from where I'm sit not sitting, but for me, it's not a great Transformers movie. Okay, now that depends on what you mean by Transformers movie then. So I mean of like the characters themselves, like for each individual character, this is not a good representation of like who the Transformers are. Yes. I mean, except for Bumblebee and, and Optimus Prime. Uh, that's not what Bumblebee is. He can talk for one. Um, so I reject that character completely. Yeah. Well, wait, hold on, hold on. Well, no, 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 wait, hold on. But when you bring something live action for the first time and based off a kid's cartoon, I think you're, you don't have, there's no rule that has to, that says you have to, you know, that you, you can't alter things or, or. No, that's fair. That's adaptation. It's expected that there's going to be changes in things like, like with the Disney remakes, the live actions, no one, no one says, wait a second, that's not the way so-and-so is. Or so-and-so doesn't dress like that. Or where the hell's the little talking dragon in Mulan? Like, what the hell? Like, Well, just to quickly interject, I had no prior experience with Transformers at all when I saw that movie. And I walked out being like, that whole Bumblebee gimmick, like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, is he really, like, processing, like, all these million? I thought he was just transforming, like, radio signals. How is he getting all these, like, movie bits? So I was like, I don't buy this at all. I never liked that conceit he has a hard drive he has like a dvr built inside well i guess i guess that's fair but how's he processing it all i i don't know yeah i never liked that no i still i know i reject that and no, i i reject that i i just why is that rejectable no it's just like no 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 no. it's just like if you're a human and you see something in a show or in a comedy stand-up bit and you just remember and you regurgitate it at a later time that's all he's doing except he's a machine obviously so he has like a perfect memory to be able to just. Oh, play and he has back. access to the internet. Okay, fair enough. Maybe you have. Yes. Done. What are you talking about? That's exactly what's going on. It always felt so contrived to me that gimmick. I just would never like that. Oh, I still don't like it though. It doesn't mean I like. I find you 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 win that point, but I still think it's stupid because he had a voice in the olden day. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I love the gimmick or hate the gimmick. Uh, it's, I mean, but I don't have strong feelings about it. Obviously, one way or the other. It was so bad that they moved. They like literally brought it over to Transformers Prime, which I only watched like the first two episodes or whatnot. But and because the animation is horrible, but like they literally had the same thing with him. Whereas an animated previous show to that, they actually had him talking, and he was great. And then they like made him mute. Oh, and then when you were talking, when you were talking about how the characters really are, okay, understandable. So that's the confusing thing about Transformers. Even, I mean, the movie's notwithstanding. Different series. Yeah, exactly. You have the, the obvious Gen 1, Gen 2 stuff, um, which is the original stuff uh, that established yep. everything. But following that and preceding the movie, you already got into what happens a lot in Japanese properties especially, but not only Japanese properties, which is there's so many iterations. So Agreed. That's the thing. Uh, they're constantly changing. There's like, there's like 10 different versions of Optimus Prime across all the different series and things. And they've all died. <laughs> oh, that's, really... that's a consistent part, though. Except for in the movies. <laughs> no, he dies in every other movie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I, so yeah, if you're a purist, that's one thing. But uh, there's, there's so many... Yeah, it's like Gundam. They're 
constantly telling the same story over and over again. That's a different thing, though. Gundam itself is like always. Some of them are in the same like time period. Yes, some of true. Them, like, there's probably about like what 26 time periods. In Gundam, I don't even know. True. No, Isaac, I just realized we fucked up in the first commentary not having Eric there. We did. Because I knew Eric was a big fan, but I just for whatever reason I didn't think of it. Yeah, um, I think you're gonna redo it. I have no idea. I think Sci-Fi Partline did the same thing. Like uh, when I first joined that podcast, it was like three months after. I don't know. It wasn't three months. Uh, wait, something happened that I missed the talk on Transformers One, but I was there for like Transformers Two, um, and yeah. But anyway, uh, it's gonna be the same thing here. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Transformers was my thing, and and like I said, there was a trepidation. So then once I saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, that's goddamn fantastic!" At the time, all the comedy in this movie, it worked. It worked. It was God. It was just a damn delight. And it was the kind of movie too that, you know, obviously I had a lot of friends even back then who didn't grow up with Transformers like I did. But this was a movie that was easily recommendable to anybody. And who didn't know anything about Transformers. And it was just one of those movies that had a really broad appeal that, you know, everyone saw. It was just like, oh, yeah, that was a good movie. Um, also, the special effects at the time, the CGI, this was another one of those trendset or like, not trendsetters, but, well, yes, trendsetter, but it was one of those bar-raising uh, uh, movies that... that at least for its moment, it was like, oh, this is the best yet up to this point uh, in CGI and effects. And then they really pulled it off. Yeah, in our commentary, we did that. Uh, our commentary, we did praise the CGI uh, and the integration yep. and how really well, like, ILM did. And for American audiences, especially special, especially middle America, this whole... Because Michael Bay, he's done it multiple times, but where he likes to work in conjunction with the U.S. military on a movie that that works i mean that that works especially with middle america it it and people who are veterans and you know being a veteran it's like a a big thing because so many people like by percentage are veterans in the united states or family of veterans so the fact that he uses um all the military all the american military stuff that just it bodes well for the audiences or the American audiences. It, it boosts the movie like another level. See, I remember during our commentary, I kept commenting. I was like, see these soldiers here, they have no real character. They're just like these stereotypes. I'm like, their only character is like, oh, you're supposed to like them because they're a soldier. And I'm like, that's just like, that does not work for me at all. So, <laughs> so kind of the opposite of what you're saying. <laughs> right. And that makes sense based on how I know you. But like I said, wow. for Middle America, you're just it's it's the Pied Piper. Like it's an American movie, so of course they're gonna appeal to Americans. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, it worked on me at the time. Like it really worked on me at the time. Also, remember we're in the height of of uh, the second Gulf War for the United War States. Terror. So yep. so a lot of people literally had family members and spouses away at the time this movie came out and I remember that affecting people just, you know, consciously and subconsciously mm. seeing the movie at the time. Um, what's his name? Uh, Wiki. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. God, all of a sudden, he just seemed like the most promising rising star in the world uh, at the time. 
when this movie came out. Like, God, yep. God, did he blow up for a time after this? Uh, yeah, I remember we talked about that quite a bit too. Megan Fox obviously was introduced mainstream. I mean, she was a little bit known before, but this put her on another planet. Obviously, um, <laughs> man, what else? Like, the it's and it was all the whole. I don't know. It was smart at the time. Him because it's one of those where this. What are they? What's the genre called? Like boy meets dog or something. Um, oh, like I mentioned this. Like how people talk about how ET is just you know doing that whole old yeller thing or something. It's really that genre which was really popular in the fifties and sixties with yeah boy in his car. Yeah, but but it was boy and <laughs> oh, his yeah, pet that. or whatever originally. Um, boy and his dog. Yeah, which morphed into ET, which was like you know a modern take, and then this is that, and that was a really really smart move. Um, yeah, and uh, today we talked about boy and his Manila. So, jeez. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that's true. Like I said, all the comedy work. It was actually funny. It was laugh out loud funny in the theater. Uh, uh, it was laugh out loud <laughs> funny in the theater. I mean, uh, I remember everyone in the theater around me laughing, but I was sitting there like an alien. Um, I've had that experience with with some MCU movies where everyone around me is laughing and I'm not. Uh, but this was not one of those times for me. I was laughing for sure. Uh, and the, I probably saw it two or three times in the theater. This one, um, there's like, yeah. There's so many side characters. Um, we'll see. Okay, everything worked in this movie. Uh, Michael Bay would continue all this that I'm saying in the sequels. It's just in the first one, everything was like proportioned correctly, like the original. Like, yeah, like the wide range of characters, the humor, everything was in its proper proportion. As we get into the sequels, the proportions get all messed up. Um, and that's what damages the different sequels to different degrees. Um, or the plot getting overblown or bloated or blah, 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 whatever. Um, but the first one was just a damn good movie. It was a damn good way to introduce um, the Transformers. The score was so awesome. Uh, yep, cool score. It looked great. Just teared visually. up the first time and I still tear up. Every time I watch the scene where the Transformers come to Earth, like um, little uh, meteorites or asteroids or yeah, meteors or whatever, I freaking love. Way better than Armageddon. Yes, <laughs> I I weirdly didn't like Armageddon like everybody else did when it came out. I'm referencing the line, not that. But as time has gone by, I've gone back and and revised my feelings on Armageddon. It's actually a lot better than I gave it credit for. When it first came out, I, I was referring to the line in the movie itself. Oh, <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. See, I bought the Criterion probably around like 2008, something like that, and that was the last time I saw it. So I, I, I don't remember that film at all. It's been like well over a decade since the last time I watched it. So I, I don't you know, know. Somebody should make a list of like really popular, you know, blockbuster summer blockbuster movies. And, and then start ranking them because I would rank this one really high amongst that genre. Just just because we're talking about this for you, Isaac, 
Well, when we did our first Transformers commentary, I was so yep. drunk that I forgot to mention this. <laughs> yeah, I got so wasted on that podcast. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you were carrying it at the end because I was just like, just so gone. Oh, the ending was awful. <laughs> but I kept, I kept meaning to say, it might be interesting to go back and watch some of Michael Bay's like hits. Like we could watch The Rock, we could watch Armageddon. We'll save the bad boys for their own thing, but we can yeah, turn Pearl Harbor. you have a gripe to pick with that one. Can't fucking stand bad boys. Oh, boy. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the comedy for me in Transformers, I find incredibly obnoxious. Even when I was like, I don't know how old we were when that came out. We were, uh, we were 12 or 13, because it was 07, so yeah. Yeah, we were 13. I remember, I remember sitting in the theater, people would burst into laughter. I'd look around like really you guys thought that was funny like what am i missing here and i used to I, when i was a, a kid i loved um oh brother we're out thou and so <laughs> <Nice>. when <laughs> yep everyone knows kids love that movie and the big lebowski so when john Turturro showed up i was like oh it's that guy from those movies i really like by the end of it i was like when are they gonna get him off the screen he's the most obnoxious <laughs> person i've ever seen and i've, oh, I've not liked him ever since i even going going back to those movies, I can't stand them anymore. Transformers ruined them for me. Man, <laughs> which is such wow. a shame because I I really did love love them in those movies, but especially Big Lebowski. But remember at the start of that what? Uh, remember the start of this recording month? Is the, the, the very beginning of the night where I said I uh, support Eric with Exorcist Two. I don't support <laughs> him at all with Transformers One. <laughs> oh, sorry, Eric, yeah. you're on your own. Look, I may have taken a contrarian view on. Uh, Exorcist 2, but my take on Transformers 1 is very mainstream. Um, oh, that's really, fair. That's, that's fine. I'm not like, trying to mainstream. say that you're, you're wrong. Well, I mean, you and I disagree. No, 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 no I know. I'll just say I just have a very mainstream opinion. This movie. That's I mean, fair. Man, John Voice in this movie, which was awesome. <laughs> um, just, that, that was awesome. That was awesome. I liked it at the time. I couldn't stand the comedy, but I, I still enjoyed it. Enough that I saw the sequel in the theater, and that was it. I and was then like, you walked out. <laughs> I remember sitting in the theater. At the end, everyone stood up and clapped. Oh, God. And I stood that... up, but I didn't clap, and I was like, I am never watching another Transformers movie. And then years later... Like, this was so bad. <laughs> getting into now times, I started having all these thoughts about um, how these are weirdly like American monster movies. Um because mm. the Transformers are like the large monsters and then there's the weird emphasis on whatever the human story is in whichever Transformers sequel you're looking at um, and it's and it's weird to me like going through the uh, Godzilla box set because that was my big introduction to Godzilla, the franchise and how they have to come up with new human characters every Godzilla movie and oh, we're trying to, like, infiltrate the company or get into this place or figure this thing out. I mean, in whatever Godzilla movie. The theme park. What's the mystery of the theme park? Um, and it's weird how each Transformer movie, like, is coming up with, like, the human story and, oh, he's a single dad or is this and that. It, and it's it's actually weird uh, when I look at the live-action franchise as a whole. And it's weird how... Each movie has its large cast, and like some of them, you'd like to see them show up again, but they're just gone and forgotten. And it, it's weird how some characters just show up for literally ten minutes in the franchise and are never seen again, and then others outlive their stay, like John Turturro or whatever. Um, 
it's, it's just really strange. And <laughs> and then and then it it sucks when Megan Fox was gone because she got into a little spat with Michael Bay and she gets replaced. And then you think, oh, the new girl, well, she's pretty hot, but then you never really see her again, and she's never really. I mean, not just in Transformers, like in anything, you don't really see her in anything again. Yeah, she's not Megan Fox. Um, and then of course, you know, you get into the uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg era. I don't know. It's it's interesting. And then I don't know. Have you guys seen Bumblebee the movie? No, I have. Yeah, that's actually how we started covering it. Is I went through and watched them all for a podcast. Now playing podcast, so I've seen them all at this point, but. I don't want to spoil the end of your trip, but for me, Bumblebee brings it all back. Like, all my friends on Sci-Fi Party Line, I don't think any of them have seen Bumblebee still, because they gave up after, you know, The Last Night or whatever uh, <laughs> with Transformers. But I was like, you gotta watch Bumblebee, though. I, I think it's a really good... Um, it's a strange reboot of sorts because it's a reboot, but it's still in universe. It's an in universe reboot, so it's not really a reboot. It's not a true mm-hmm. reboot. But I thought that movie was fantastic, and I've wrestled since Bumblebee came out, which I think which one do I think is the best live action Transformers movie? And I and I go back and forth between Bumblebee and and this one, because um, I don't know. Now I think Bumblebee should have been the original first movie of the live action. Uh, but I don't know. And it's, I don't know. And a girl in her car. <laughs> well, if you want to come along with us, we're watching them. Hey, so all you gotta do is invite me. But the other thought I had was, uh, oh, I was saying earlier about how it reminds me of the Godzilla big monster movies. And yes, it really worked for me in this first one, but I have all since the first movie, I have always wanted them to then get away from that. Um, me being a big fan of the franchise, even the live-action franchise, and reading forums and things, I I think me and many other old-school hardcore fans, we always expected them to go, like, full space by, like, the third or fourth movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it seemed like... Because that's what the the original series did. And I thought going to space would be the perfect thing because you would leave most of the human characters behind and then you could just solely focus on the transformers themselves and it, if you're in space then you can easily everything can be cgi obviously because uh, it would make sense uh and because nothing much would have to be real so i always was waiting for that and when you would see teasers or hear about what the next michael bay transformer movie was going to be i kept thinking that was going to happen but it, it was always a tease and never a reality um but you get that, I don't want to spoil it, but that opening of Bumblebee, that's actually what we always wished a Transformers movie would be. Um, yeah, spoilers. When I went through all the movies, that was my favorite part of every single movie. I was like, wow, this is the best thing I've seen in Transformers. And I watched the original film. I didn't much care for it. I thought that one section of Bumblebee was the best thing I'd watched in the whole Transformers retrospective I did. So so hopefully they, they build on that. That'd be great. But <laughs> all the human stuff. Oh, and is, is that or is that not part of your series that y'all are working on? The original animated film. Oh, we're working towards that because that's the best one in like all of Transformers films, in my opinion. 
because I was like, we'll sift through all this crap. Okay, but you but you've seen it though. Okay. That was the first film I saw. Like I saw it in two thousand five. Joke be there as well. I just bought the um, what was it? I bought the four K Blu Ray release or Steelbook case. Oh, uh, recently. Bought that. Hmm. Yeah, because I was like, we're gonna. We're, I want to do this, and so I have the four K, even though I have nothing to play it on. But it's, it's fantastic. Like, that, I, it's one of the best hand like hand drawn animated movies I've ever seen. Um, probably, hmm. almost almost like on par with Akira, I'd say. Oh, I know. My God. I know. I say that. Hey, I said Fantasia is as well, and Fantasia certainly lives up to it. That's okay? weird. I usually list as like Spirit Away as like my all time favorite hand drawn animation movie. Yeah, I mean, my head's spinning. I don't know if it's the booze or. What. <laughs> I'm talking technicalities here, but don't get me wrong. I love Transformers the movie. Uh, famously, uh, it was at the theater, and we went to a multiplex. It was maybe the That's first awesome. time I ever went to a multiplex. Uh, because you know everything was just a single theater, uh, and so we we're at a multiplex, and and I saw on the marquee like, oh my god, they're playing the Transformers movie, and I was saying we gotta go see that, but I mean I was with a bunch of adults, uh, and they were like, <laughs> oh no 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 no, we're not gonna go see that, and I was like, oh man, so we ended up watching Big Trouble in Little China instead, which I was totally yeah. against. But I really remember great. then I saw the movie and I went, oh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> that, was, that was great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's a true, that's a true story. Uh, but as a kid, uh, Transformers, the animated movie, is probably the kid's movie I rewatched more than any other ever uh, growing up. Hmm. Uh, just on yep. frequent repeat. And uh, I was such a hardcore fan. Uh back in the olden days so you know it was religious watching religious viewing whenever it came on uh the, the cartoon the original yep and um my friend during summer vacation my best friend my neighbor he was gonna go to like his grandmother's house for like a month or something in ohio or wherever and so he wasn't gonna be home and so while he was gone um I taped all the episodes of Transformers, but nice. But not on VHS. I was using a, a cassette audio player, so I recorded the audio of like all the episodes that he missed because I was gonna play them all back for him, like just the audio and just like describe what he wasn't getting to see. Um, that never happened. I mean, me playing them back for him like that, but I did make those recordings. Uh, and so yeah, it was a big deal. Do they still exist somewhere? Uh, I don't have access to them, but they could possibly be in a box somewhere. And that's amazing. But I did, um, I, I did listen to that tape a lot, not for the episodes, but just to replay the theme all the time. Uh, that's fair. I would do that. But uh, yeah, I guess I should mention it here because I actually do have very rare maybe not rare but i I have a transformers cassette uh, like an actual cassette tape that uh has like an uh a a drama in it what are those things i guess yeah it was like an audio drama it's pretty cool yeah i mean the the kids version of those were very popular in the 80s for everything and yeah it's got two sides great i actually had them on records first and then they were on cassette tape later Um, that's amazing those are really big deals i wish i still had those 
all those original things. A lot of Star Wars ones. But, um... Oh, they dope. Yes, yes. Every time you had to turn the page, R2-D2, turn the page. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, I... You guys are definitely putting yourselves out there as uh, contrarian curmudgeons. If you find the original Transformer movie quite disagreeable. 07. Or 86. Oh, 07, yes. 07, yes. Yeah, is okay. what I'm talking about. Okay. And, and again, at the time, not only was it the epitome of uh, CGI and effects, it was the epitome... It's the poster child of cinematography at that time. Um, oh, yeah, that, that cinematography, eh? It, it's the cinematography that everybody else was trying to accomplish in those years. And the color grading included. Um, man, it was just... It's... I have to look at a list of popular movies of the the, tw- the aughts, but it was the seeing Transformers 2007 and loving it. It's one of the closest things I can remember that was reminiscent of seeing a popular Spielberg movie in the 80s when it first came out. Do you know what I mean? Almost like Spielberg worked on that film. <laughs> true, true. But, but you know what I mean? Like if you all could have been there, like when E.T. came out... Or Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you could just imagine how everyone's like, oh, you know, it's those movies were um, uh, inarguable, like uh, they were not debatable as far as if they're good or not. It was just, you know, unanimous of, of people of all ages, of all creeds, of all, you know, I'm talking about Americans. Uh, like it didn't matter where you're from, like you liked those movies. Everyone, you know, they were in the zeitgeist and. And this was like the closest thing I can remember of something in the aughts that that evoked that memory of what the Spielberg stuff was like. Of like where everybody agrees that this is a great movie, regardless of creed or yes. gender or anything like that. Uh, I disagree with that. Yeah, just complete broad appeal. I disagree with that because in the opening shot, like the first shot with the soldiers, we see that there's that one guy... Um, and he's talking about his culture, and then all of them, like, just completely like shame, him. shame him for, like, if you're not, like, and that's literally, if, Michael Bay, if you're not American, then we don't like you. Well, right. I'm like, wow. Again, I, I said when I stated appeal to all, I was talking about Americans, Americans of all types. Mm. Uh, can't speak that for the world. That just sounds xenophobic and completely closed-minded. <laughs> Pardon me for saying that. Yes, but I have a I have a different argument about that though, uh, separate to Transformers, because when people bring that up about like when Americans do that in their movies or in their media, I don't I don't ever look I don't necessarily look at that as a bad thing, because I always go that's exactly why we like Japanese media because they keep it real to whatever Japanese means. You know what I mean? I've thought about this a lot. Like the reason we like anime and and Japanese movies or Chinese movies like live action is because they keep it real to the way they do things. Like we wouldn't like it if they didn't if they made anime and it didn't seem Japanese, but it was Japanese made. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but there's a difference between like reaching into like broad stereotypes like Michael Bay always. Did. That's why I can't stand the, the bad boys. No, 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 but no, 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 but wait, that's exactly what they do in anime though. Whenever there's like a, there's always like a token German character or a token Italian character or a token American character, and oftentimes or like the French one will be, 
effete. And it, it's such like a Japanese animation thing. And nobody ever goes, oh my god, it's so xenophobic. It's just what they do. Okay. <laughs> Was this, are you talking newer pre-1990? Uh, I'm probably talking post-1990 because I've not seen much pre-1990. Or I've seen practically okay, nothing pre-1990. With that, that is because anime was made for the Japanese because they didn't think anybody else would be interested in it. No, no, that's fine. That's fine, though. It doesn't matter to me their rationale. I'm saying I completely like and appreciate it, and I don't, like, freak out about it or think, oh, why are they being so insular? I think nothing of it other than well, do your thing is what I think. My only counter would be the people who are being stereotyped and insulted in, in Michael Bay movies are Americans as well. They're just like either American immigrants or maybe like, you know, second generation, that kind of thing. Like the, the Spanish character is a U.S. soldier and they're like, hey, only speak English. Like, we're tired of you speaking Spanish. And it's like, he's clearly American. And also, uh, something I talk about with my other older podcast friends, uh, the older guys, which is, um, and even though in these conversations, they're always white and I'm always the only person of color, but we're of like mine when it comes to this, me and a couple of my other friends, which is, I freaking love racial-based humor. I really do. Uh, and anything, that, anything that's based upon some type of seeds of truth or a stereotype that is rooted in truth. Because um, obviously stereotypes that are just completely made up don't make sense. But the ones that do make some kind of sense somehow, I'm such a big fan of that stuff. So, And, and I like to see how what other stereotypes that other countries have. I, I'm completely into it. I don't, I don't like when things get watered down for more, for broader appeal. I like to see things as they are. I, you know, I'd like to see how Japanese portray other ethnicities when they think this is only for a Japanese audience. That's the way I'd rather see it. Go watch Gundam. Uh, what is it? Uh, Gundam. Is it Gundam Seed? No, what was that one called? Um, oh, there was one I was watching that was so off the off the rail. Like I thought, oh, this is why this has never been like in um, <laughs> wide release in the U.S. Um, which one is it that I have? It's uh, hang on, I got one. I have it here on somewhere on disc. It's um, uh, oh, A Turn, A Turn Gundam. That's not it. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I, not to say that it isn't that, but I've not. Have you seen? So I always wanted to see it. It came out like around 98-99 and I always wanted to see it because uh, I always thought the toy looked so cool of all the Gundams. It, the the A-turn Gundams look more unique. Like they're a different style. They don't look like all the other Gundams. And so that that's what always drew me to it. But it was never really released in the West or and it was not easy to get. And finally it was released some few years ago and I got it and I started watching it. And like in the in the first episodes, a lot of the characters spend a lot of time getting nude for no apparent reason, um, and there's like a lot of nakedness, and it's just crazy. And I was like, oh, maybe this is why I didn't adapt it for the West because it's it's so different. I found it. It's called Gundam, or it's called Mobile Fighter G Gundam. That's the one I'm talking about. It's where it's like, oh, I, I know that one. the one where they're all chibi. No, that's that. No, that's that's SD Gundam Force, which I watched as a kid. Oh, my bad. Yes. 
I love that series. Uh, Mobile Fighter G Gundam was where. Oh, like, that's the one with the international tournament. Yes, yes, that's the one. Yes, yes. Where they have, what is it like a, a a a Gundam with a sombrero on his head to represent Mexico? And yes, it's like that that shit cracks me up. Um, oh. got it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That that's a good one. Yes, mobile. I totally forgot about that one. Mobile G Gundam. Yes, there's all these stereotypical Gundams representing different countries. But see, can't you guys appreciate that? Like from like a pro wrestling point of view, or especially how pro wrestling was like in the '80s. That's so funny you say that. This whole time I was thinking of pro wrestling. <laughs> that's literally what it was. No, but uh, see, because you guys are the, this whole different generation. So, like. Man, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I love that humor. I miss that humor. Uh, I mean, I experienced the, the 1980s version um, of where you know people would say whatever uh, about the different racial stuff. Um, I don't. I've never found that stuff offensive ever before. I mean, there's stuff that crosses the line, and I guess you sort of know it when it happens. But that's not a common thing. <laughs> Although. In the Bay sequels, there is stuff that really makes you scratch your head when it gets into the like, because even there's because that's the thing. Like I said, it has to be rooted in some strong like kernel of truth or you know universal truth, and then be funny. But when it's just, it feels like it's just oddly there to exist, and then it's not funny. That that stuff is really head scratching. That happens later in the in the sequels. I'm not gonna lie, that stuff is yeah, really weird. Yeah, it gets worse, but it's like weird. I, I've never liked the uh, Bernie Mac scene in the first Transformers. Oh jeez, where like the grandma like gives him the finger and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna bust your head, bitch." I'm like, "Ooh, like, this is ugly." Like, where did this come from? And I don't know if that's a Bernie Mac line or Michael Bay line. Um, I don't know, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never liked that. So I kind of want to think about him beating up his grandma. <laughs> Not that he would. I'm sure it's just him talking. But, you know, it puts a picture in your head. I mean, the only thing I could say, and I gotta be really careful since I'm the only white guy here, but, like, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, like, what is it? It reinforces, it positively reinforces these, like, stereotypes to um, ignorant audience members and thus continues to be racist but there's that question of like what if everybody was racist to each other and nobody got offended oh that's why i hate bad boys because the whole message is oh these are terrible racist cops but oh they're the good guys you know in the end you know oh it's the it's the internal affairs that are tying their hands and really these cops should be let free to just roam around and be fuckheads it's like oh that's that's just hideous (laughs) especially in those movies i mean something like national security does the same thing with oh, mark yeah, lawrence yeah, piece yeah. that complete hack <laughs> mark lawrence <laughs> bad boys three i've always said isaac that it's i don't have a fair sample size because i've probably been around more people of color as they're called now more than i've been around white guys or people um but that being said minorities in the united states have always been the most racial not racist racial people i've ever known like amongst people of color much more talk about talking about characteristics and features 
uh, of different races and people from different places, and especially the humor aspect. I've always heard so much more because um, I've spent a lot of time around Asians, and they have some very harsh humor aimed at non-Asians. Yeah, that's what I've heard that Chinese people are very racist. But again, I can't. Oh, but man, but see, they're huge section of my family are Black Americans. They are the same way. A lot of really uncomfortable racial humor. (laughs) Uncomfortable for me. My experience with Chinese uh, people, like uh, literally specifically, it's different. Uh, I mean, it's a different brand almost um, because. Because I, not that I've known a ton of Chinese people, but I've known some fairly well, and the way he would say things, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> it was a matter of fact, and that oh, no. that was a different kind of delivery. Because um, uh, we'd have perfectly normal conversations about whatever, and then I'd be saying something like, "You know, I had this friend from uh, from Korea," and then my friend would say. You mean South China? I go, no, 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 mm. Korea. He was from Korea. And he goes, South China? Well, oh, and no. I'd be like, wait a second. <laughs> I can't get into that. I can't get into that. <laughs> you know? And same thing if I brought up Taiwan. Oh, golly. And, oh. You know, it's the same thing. I mean, like the, the island Chinese people? Like, well, no, the Taiwanese. <laughs> you mean, you know, I, he had a different term for it for the Chinese who had. Occupied yeah. the Isle of whatever, but yeah. but like I said, he would. I don't even know if it's racist. I don't know what it is because uh, he wasn't trying to be funny. Brainwashing. It was just like, no, this is what it is. You know what I mean? And that that's a. And he wasn't trying to be mean about it or, um, uh, what's the word? Um, or being pejorative, but it was just like stating like up is up and down is down. Uh, yes, kind of fact. <laughs> yeah, time. so I don't even know. That's, that's that's a whole different brand. I mean, that's that's literally like the the country itself and how they deal with it. Like, yeah, a classic example for me is I can't ever have a side in the Israel versus Palestine debate. I just can't. I I'm not there, and so I I literally. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that on tape. I mean, everything I have to say about fair. that. But my short answer is I can easily come down on that. I just don't want to get into the details of it on tape. Me That's, too. I can easily come down on it too. I'm not saying – yeah, I'm not trying to put you guys on the spot here. I'm not trying to make anything happen. All I'm saying well, is that I personally couldn't talk about it because I'm A, not from there, and B, I just have a like a, a, a different world of, uh, approach to it. So it's like I think I'd be completely ignorant. I'm all about different approaches, but I don't think there's any prerequisite about anybody talking about anything. Yeah. I agree. Fair enough. I don't think the racial component makes you less um, competent to talk on an issue. It just comes down to how educated you are on the issue, really. I, that's the thing. Yeah. See, that's what I was going to say. That, oh, no matter what the issue is... Give me some information. I can give you an answer. Um, and then, if I get more information at a later time, my answer could change you know, with new information. Yeah. That's how I feel about all kinds of things. Agreed. I can not disagree with that. So, Hasbro did the smartest thing they could have, which was hire Malcolm Baldwin. 
he's a he's a name he's a brand almost in a way like he comes with yep. his own like you know his own techniques and his own style which is something that marvel still has yet to do that's not true i guess technically no i'm, I'm james gunn james gunn and uh whoever did the eternals and um ryan kugler yeah, excuse me the mc is more complicated though uh i mean there, it's a more complicated situation um because this comes up a lot when you look into the individual MCU movies, where they do sometimes bring in um, a director who has some cachet in, in their own individual style or their previous work. Yep. But you have to play by certain MCU rules, unfortunately, um, because yeah. it has to fit. And there's been a lot of talk about that with Eternals recently, mm. that supposedly the director. Um, and also Sama Hayek, uh, they wanted to really put their a lot of their personal ideas and grafted onto the Eternals, the movie. Um, but it was stuff that was of their own making, you know, nothing like from the comics or anything like that. But they wanted to really change and expand certain aspects of characters and character arcs. But they had these big fights with Marvel because. And it's funny because Sama Hayek, she, I guess she gave an interview where she was talking about, oh, we had all these ideas where we were brainstorming about this and this and expanding this character and blah, blah, blah. But Marvel would just be like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, you know, it, you're you're stepping on something. You're stepping on something. Or, you know, there's something that's going to and And so that's the thing. You have to be able to play ball because, you know, they have the whole grand plan in mind. And so... Yeah, man. That's what I'm going to say, Ant-Man. Sure, and oh, that's yeah. unfortunate, because I was really sad when that happened uh, with Ant-Man. But it, at least it's cool that the white... T- I can't even say his name. Um, uh, Thor guy. Um, oh, Kenneth Branagh? No. no. <laughs> oh, Taika Waititi? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Taika Waititi. It is cool, at least, that because he is such a unique filmmaker he seems to be able to play by whatever the Marvel rules are. And the same thing for James Gunn. So I'm glad that they're still able to be themselves, but still fit into the system at the same time. Um, but I want to say, uh, you're, I completely agree with what you were saying about Michael Bay. And I think that was like a really smart idea. And Michael Bay had not really done any wrong up to this point. Um, he was yeah. the guy. Unless it's the Caleb. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I was going to say something else too, like during the commentary uh, on this subject, which was so, you know, most people don't like the sequels uh, to varying degrees to, you know, outright hate, to dislike. You know, it depends which sequel you're talking about, but, you know, they're generally derided. Um, and I was randomly watching the making of, I don't know which sequel it was. Uh, I don't know if it, it's probably one of the Mark Wahlberg ones, but I don't remember which one. And uh, I was watching some making of, and some people think that maybe Michael Bay is just mailing in like his uh, Transformer sequels or whatever that he doesn't really care. Or I was my eyes were so open by this making of because it was one of the Transformer movies I don't care for very much, and Michael Bay looked like he was putting 150% into that, whichever production that was. Like, he was all over the place with, like, 
all right, the camera's gonna come in like this, and you see, like, you know, the reason I want this to be like this is because of this, and then he's like sitting up with the editor, and like, oh no, you gotta cut it right here, and then we're gonna go to this. And my point is, you may not like his later works in the, in the franchise, but when you watch the main, this guy was giving it his all, right or wrong. He believed in whatever he was doing, right or wrong. He wasn't mailing anything in. He was, he, I mean, he was like fully putting his life into it. Because uh, some people don't think so with some of the sequels. But hey, I, I, I believe he was passionate. I mean, he was passionate about Pearl Harbor too, and look how that turned out. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> that's that movie's a mixed bag to me. Oh, that's that's everything he's done. I think. I mean, the guy. Oof. I mean, I love The Rock. Just as a, a a child, I always had a strong affection to that. I always loved the Sean Connery Bond films. So, so I mean, that one I've got like a nostalgic love for. But everything else is just like all over the board between good and bad, but mostly leaning towards bad. I think. Man, I've been watching Transformers <laughs> this whole time. Uh, on screen while we've been talking and nice. I just freaking love this movie. Like I love everything about it, just about it is visually stunning. Like I said, for a movie in two thousand seven, it is it is a perfect movie. There was not really anything I could have complained about other than if you wanted to say okay, okay. Other than definitely would have liked the Transformers to more resemble themselves. Okay, that 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 I'll give you that. Um like not to look so alienistic or i don't know how they look i know they were trying to go for realism at the time like what would these things really look like if they really existed um i get it but screw that just you know you don't have to make yeah, it look so, bad uh, or not bad it's just it's not what transformers are um yeah the, the effects are good i just don't yes. like the design choices so uh, okay that's a knock if i had to give a knock I remember in the commentary I described them as visually noisy. There's like too much there. It's just like not pleasant to look at. For my personal taste, but it would lose broad appeal at the same time. I wouldn't mind if the series got more adult, uh, meaning the Decepticons were really bad and would just like kill people out like in in, in implied like gruesome ways or something. Uh, but again, you can't really do that if you're going for the broad appeal or you still want kids to be into it. But I would like the Decepticons to be more evil and more scary. That's kind of the funny thing with the franchise is when I was watching them, The Last Night was actually my favorite one. So I was like, oh. hey, you know, it's actually gotten more interesting. Uh, Optimus Prime is like turned into a villain. Uh, even before that, he was like turning into this like this brutal killer of Decepticons where he was like getting up like a bloodlust. So I thought that was really interesting how, because he would get like extremely violent, but it was okay because it was just CGI robots. But I was like, wow, if this was two people, this would be absolutely an R. He'd be like pulling their eyes out, stabbing swords right through their face. I'd be like, holy oh, fuck. <laughs> and I already said it. I'm okay with the human elements being as emphasized as they are in the first movie, but I would have liked to them have just to more focused on the robots as, as they continued on in the franchise. I mean, to spoil my like whole opinion is I was hoping just because I was watching the Transformers Unicron trilogy as a kid that was like what made me watch these films. I think I said that before. But I was just I was wait the Unicron trilogy. Wait, what are we talking about? 
Yeah, Unicron trolls. You know, Transformers Armada, Energon, Cybertron. Oh, I didn't know they were called that, but okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was called. It was collectively. Yeah, it was collectively called the Unicron trilogy because Unicron's like a central figure in all three of those. Name, uh, name them again. Armada, Energon, Cybertron. Okay, I think I only I only saw a little bit of the first one, and I didn't see many of those. Yeah, no, those were those were what I grew up with. That's that's how I became a Transformers fan because of those mm-hmm. those three series. Like, and I even watched animated up until like it wasn't on TV anymore. I think now, did you ever great. watch Beast Wars and Beast Machines? I did because it was made by the guys, uh, some locals here, and voiced by locals here. So of course it was like, you know, <laughs> I gotta watch that. Yeah, you always love that kind of thing. That series was interesting though because it was. It was weirdly dark. It was weirdly serious. It was great, and it was a sequel series to the original G One Transformers. It was great. I I loved when Unicron showed up. It was great. It was weird when they started to try to tie it like to Gen One. It was it was a very interesting series, interesting time. No, it works because it's like so separated from um, G One. It works perfectly. I'd say. Obviously, a question of like, wait, what happens? They they go off in their own direction after that, and just like with Beast uh, or Beast Machines. Which I didn't watch because it was on like later time, and I'm just like, can't do that. But what do they do with that? They it's probably like alternate continuity by that point. But I don't know. I think that one worked. But my point is, is that with these Michael Bay Transformers movies, is the the what I hope they were going for was they were eventually going to get to Unicron, and I was like, I want to see that on screen, and I don't think they ever have gotten to that. I don't know. If they go that in the last night, but they just, they just keep up coming up with brand new like material and retroactively saying, oh, this happened, then this happened. It's like, come on, have a have an idea. Like work off of what you have. Don't like just make up stuff as you go on the fly. Well, just to spoil it for you, Unicron does show up eventually. Is he the Earth? I don't even remember the details anymore. Like those movies, I watched them like maybe three months Spoilers ago. Spoilers for Prime, if anybody. And they've cares. all faded from my brain. <laughs> Wait, was Unicron? Was they talk? Were they talking about Unicron in Last Night? I believe it was Last Night. Yes. Yeah, because there was some, there was something in that that I'd have to go back and watch it because I don't remember the details. But it, it now that I think about it, though, it kind of resembles something that happened in the Eternals movie. Uh, recently, was similar yeah, in the last night. Deals, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, oh, and I wanted to say also. Well, I don't know what we're talking about, but the in the sequels when they would have these those large opening scenes, like the one where uh, there was like the prehistoric humans. Uh, and then of course last night you had all the like you had Merlin the magician and like King Arthur and the Knights oh, of the Round. God. No, but it was crazy to me they'd have these large scale openings of these sequels, and and a lot of that stuff barely had a point like in the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah. but just when you would watch those sequences, like that could have been a, its own movie, like whether it was the and oh. it was crazy like. To me, it was crazy, like the lavish, like um, production values that were put into like those prehistoric fights, and like mm-hmm. there's the one I can't remember which Transformers movie it is, but it starts off like Gladiator, and they're doing like the catapults and the and the trebuchets, and it's crazy, like because of the budget and the extras and how big it is and the locations, and it's all just to make a cold open. 
It's yeah, that's it's, last night. It's, abs it's absurd. Last night, I think, is the best one because it's the most diverse, just in terms of what's happening in it. Like, it jumps all over the place, has a lot of super cool visuals. So I, uh, it doesn't make any sense, but none of them really make sense. So I'm like, I'll just enjoy it. And you're right about the visuals and all that stuff. But it's also weirdly sad that um, it's like if you've been watching all the Transformers movies, you're like desensitized at that at that yes. by that point. Yes. No, you are because <laughs> you, there's all these amazing visuals, and you're just like, oh yeah, anything's possible. Whatever, big whoop. Like you're not amazed anymore. It's really weird, and that's the problem with the Michael Bay franchise is that you do get desensitized, and you can't even appreciate. Like the artistry and man hours that went into it, because you just go, oh yeah. No, that's agreed. I agree with that. Where like you know, if you <laughs> too much of the same, just make come becomes mundane, and you can't. And they talk about like, oh, these like new transformers in the fifth one, they're they're like two thousand percent more detailed than the ones in the first one, and you just go, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are they, yeah. six changers or something like that? It's just the, the detail and everything, and, and you just go, oh yeah, didn't notice. Because like I mentioned, I was I was watching those movies and following along with this podcast. And they absolutely hated last night. They thought it was the worst one. And I was just like, maybe I'm just so punch drunk from watching these that like, I don't even, it just like washes over me. And I'm like, oh, this is the, this is the best one. Because like the most random shit happens. But yeah, in terms of the plots, I mean, <laughs> into the effects, yeah, they get great. But who gives a fuck? There's this particular YouTube movie review channel that did a great series like they did all the individual transformer movies and really insightful stuff on youtube and i didn't know until i watched their video on the second movie um that so the second movie was produced during the infamous writer's strike that happened that year uh, that shut down a lot of productions on television and movie in, in the u.s at the time so mm. when they made the second transformer movie because of the strike, they didn't really have a script, but they didn't want to postpone production. So apparently they just started shooting without a script, without a full story. And and so what they did was they just started shooting action scenes um, with the thought that retroactively we will come up with a script that will tie this together. Um, oh my God. That doesn't work. <laughs> but it's crazy to think... And I go, oh, you know, that that's good to know. Like when you watch the movie, like to understand that they started working on action scenes that's fair. and action sequences without even knowing what the full story was going to be. Yeah, maybe, so. maybe we should be saving some of this stuff if Eric's going to come on. Please. You're on, you're on, Eric. You're, you're with us on Transformers. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it sounds like you'd be a good fit. And I was going to mention even, even to you, Isaac, I wouldn't mind because I don't know if you know Eric, but we do a show called Pilotsville. We cover TV pilots. Wait, I was gonna say maybe we could throw in a couple pilots for Transformers shows. Oh me, want. yeah, no, that'd be great. I wouldn't mind that too. Sure. No, I had no idea oh, about this pilot still. Yeah, that, that's why we did the Superboy pilot, and we've done a bunch of other random ones. So. Yeah, it's kind of mostly DC stuff. Yeah, Not currently, but currently. I want to do Mantis. There's a whole bunch of random shit shows that I want to cover. So, did you ever watch Mantis, Eric, back in the day? I didn't, but uh, but I know Carl and Cat watched it. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> okay. Start this. I thought it was based on a true story.
Well, I guess it's a true story for lots of kids. I keep ways. forgetting to tell you, Eric. I'm uh, I'm on your side. Which side? Uh, on the side. So I this is months ago, and I keep meaning to ask you, but I, we haven't done a commentary together in a while. Um, I am on your side with Exorcist Two. You you have sold oh. me on Exorcist Two and how good it is. Holy oh, shit! Dear. Oh dear. Yes. Wow. Talk about things not expected. Yeah. yeah, you have a follower now. Um, I I don't I don't remember the commentary too well, but I just remember like how you were pushing so hard for it, and you like gave it your all. And I I gotta commend you, sir. That was amazing. So like you you were a fan. We were just attacking like the whole time. Wow. Yeah, Every amazing. time you you would try to make a point, me and Sean would just start laughing. I I felt bad when I was editing. <laughs> I didn't feel I didn't feel bad in the moment. It's just I just honestly feel like you guys are like just being hyperbolic about it being that terrible it's it's not that terrible god <laughs> there's worse things out there probably there's tons of things that's the uh, thing that it's not just a few things there's tons of things that are worse plenty maybe this movie i don't know oh, well yeah oh, like, i don't know that's fair. i i don't know i don't know I, 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 won't, I won't show my hand yet for me the thing that makes extras too so hilarious is just wondering how did the studio were they all drunk and like half asleep how do we not see the the dailies and be like whoa john borman's going insane over there behind the camera let's get someone else here but, but that's i would like to know more about that but but it's it couldn't be that different than like the making of the phantom menace to be honest uh <laughs> really well that one probably. the boss is the crazy man because if you ever watch like the making for that um, it's like really good, the making. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the thing, like, so in the moment of actually making the movie, you, everyone must have been thinking this is going to be the bomb. Like when we see the finished product, you know, and maybe it was kind of like that on Exorcist 2. Like, man, we're making something big here. Like this is a big, big deal. But no one could have ever imagined what like the final product would be like. Because you never know, though, because, you know, because you never know the editing, you never know what's going to be cut, you know, from the film. You know, if you're actually working on set, you know, working in production, there's you never really know like how things are going to. Just like when you watch the behind the scenes stuff of the original Star Wars, like for all they know, they're just making a crappy B movie. If you see that on set footage, it just looks like a, another piece of shit like Saturday matinee, and then you see the final product, and you're like, right. holy shit, no way, like. So, you know, it's hard to tell. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get the sense watching those behind the scenes for the prequels. Maybe maybe, I'm, maybe not just Phantom Menace, but the prequels overall. That everyone was, like, nervous. And they were like, oh, we, we don't know about this idea, George. But, uh, like, we'll, we'll go ahead and do it because you're the boss. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of that going on. Hesitant yes men? <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially after the first screening that they all have. And everyone, like, has, like, a little breakdown where they're like, oh, we fucked up. No, but it, it's like crazy, like Attack of the Clones. Oof. I forget the character's name, but the guy who um, runs like the diner, he has like six arms. Oh god, yeah. And it's crazy when you watch the make. Yes, when you watch the making, and they must have done literally hundreds of artists rendering, drawing sketches of all the possibilities of that character, and then they started building plaster figurines of like hundreds of not hundreds, but dozens of iterations. He could be tall, he could be squatty, he could walk on four legs. And it's just crazy. That's just for that one character who's on screen for like five minutes. 
and it's just insane how much and you just multiply that by the whole movie and oh my gosh i don't know it just makes my head hurt thinking about that kind of stuff it's crazier is he looks terrible <laughs> <laughs> all those hours wasted. can i get you another chawa juice oh god I love that movie when it first came out, but even that, even the first time, I was like, "Ooh, this scene, something's like, ooh." I did too. The first time I saw it, I thought it was just miles better than Phantom. Uh, it wasn't until later that, and I actually, I probably saw it like three times at the movies. Um, Attack of the Clones. I probably saw Phantom twice at the movies. I would have never guessed that all these years later, Phantom would be my favorite of the prequels. Get out of here. What was the other crazy thing you said the other day? I don't know. Oh, it was when you were talking about liking Sylvester McCoy. No, mind you, I still don't like it at all. Yeah, Sylvester McCoy is my second favorite Doctor. I still think Phantom Menace is absolutely terrible. I think it's the best of those ones. No. Uh, <laughs> although it is flawed, I think uh, Revenge of the Sith is a legitimately good movie, despite flaws that it has. Oof. Now that the reason I can't stand that movie is because all the weight was on that one, and they dropped the ball so bad that I think it's the worst of them. I don't think I don't think they dropped the ball that bad. Uh, well, <laughs> just don't. Satisfy my curiosity, Eric, if you don't mind. Sure. What if, what if Hayden Christensen had played Anakin in Episode One? That would be better. Would have been better. That would be a lot better. Could that have worked way more for the narrative and with the Jedi Council saying you're too old? I think I think that would have worked. Oh yeah, it made no sense. He's like eight years old. <laughs> I think that's good. I think it, I think it just makes everything better. We were just talking about this partially yesterday, uh, me and Caleb and another guy. Uh, we were and and that's one of the biggest problems with Phantom Menace is Jake Lloyd or just him being so young, Anakin. I mean, um, yeah. And then and then. I mean, were they trying to recreate the creepiness of, like, the sibling kiss in the regular trilogy to have the whole, like, much younger boy fawning over Padme? Because that makes it weirder when you think about how they yep. first met and he was a little boy and, and she was, like, 14 or 15, and then it's weird. Oh, God, it's so weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's but... creepy. It's like she, like, groomed him. Then she's, like, this senator, too, so it's, like, this whole, like, oh, here goes another senator having another sex scandal. No, but I could honestly... <laughs> first, then senator. I can honestly oh, enjoy cool. Phantom Menace a lot better if if it was not Jake Lloyd or if he was a little bit older um, or just... Oh, my God, it's so bad. Uh, like, when you watch it... Because I, every time I, I revisit it, I, I want to have an open mind again. Like, I'm going to like it more this time. But as soon as Jake Lloyd starts speaking his lines um and it always sounds like someone has made like a goofy dub like they took out the actual dialogue and, and we're like, like they're trying to make a like a joke out of it except it's the real thing you know what i mean like it, the the actual edit of the movie feels like it's a it's a mocking fan edit except it's not it's the actual edit i'm just talking about the voice track of jake lloyd so bad. oh and, wow. and jar jar and jar jar and Padme too. She's terrible as well. Just absolutely horrible. They're all bad, but it's Jake Lloyd number one, super bad, and and then Jar Jar, and then, and then I don't know, yeah. But oh but there's God. still the the really cool Gungan City and the pod race, and I like the the dumb uh, battle sequence at the end with General Jar Jar. I can enjoy some of that. It's just like 
complete schlock. But the other movies, I feel like you, you're supposed to take seriously, and I just find them just unbelievably bad and frustrating, especially that third one. I just don't... I don't like them being like digital cartoons. That's the one advantage of the first one is they actually used a fair amount of actual sets yep. and actual props and actual things. And you can tell like there's more puppetry uh, and mm-hmm. stuff in the in the Phantom. And then yeah, but then and that's the problem with Attack of the Clones. It's, yeah, they two are just ugly. Digital cartoon, but not a very good digitally animated cartoon. And then yep. And then Sith, at least they made the cartoon look better. Um, even though I still wish it wasn't that that fake looking. Yeah, then all the characters are cartoons. Mm-hmm. Stick figure characters. <laughs> Dramatic weights are just... Uh, they change the color of his eyes. Oh, now he's bad. <laughs> that's all that's... Oh, it's such crap. See, I, whenever I watch Revenge of the Sith, I feel like my blood pressure is like going up and I'm like going to explode by the end of it. I'm so angry. But... <laughs> That's why. Oh, but did you ever watch? Oh, and we had this conversation before. You didn't. You didn't see like the end of Clone Wars, um, and what happened, and like. I think I talked about this already with both of you. How, if you watch the end of the original run of the Clone Wars series, uh, the last episode of Clone Wars takes place simultaneously with Revenge of the Sith. Um, like in time and like timeline wise it, it, they're happening simultaneously and it it makes it all seem even better um like ah oh, it would be somehow amazing if they could have done that live action and somehow you could make a new cut of uh, if you could splice together revenge of the sith with the finale of clone wars and have it all be live action so it would match it, it just that would be like the most epic movie ever um but yeah when you watch the clone wars things uh it just i've said this before you watch all the clone wars it makes attack of the clones and revenge of the sith just feel like such a much better substantial time in the star wars timeline of things um but like yeah but I don't know, clone wars just fills it out in a very satisfying way I'm still gonna like like come on Dave Floney and 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 say, sir, you made between episodes two and three work. Where's my episode one and two like stuff? Like hmm. there's never been anything explored by that, and that really disappoints me, very much so. Wait, yeah, that's episode fair. one and two, like like young Anakin training with Obi Wan. Yeah. Oh, you okay? Okay. Yeah. Where's that? I want to see that, and they didn't do that, and it's like because now. You, if you if you made two and three better, then why can't you make one better? And yeah, that's fair. Whatever. Give it more, because yeah, it feels completely pointless in terms of the story. Like there's no need to watch that movie ever, really, <laughs> in terms of just the the narrative structure of it. Nothing is really set up properly. I mean, I guess except for him for him and Padme meeting. I guess that's kind of the only really important part. But and their awkward chemistry, <laughs> super awkward chemistry. <laughs> Uh, oh, but I guess we can get this started whenever you guys are ready. I'm ready. Mm-hmm.